just a note before we begin. This episode is part of a string of four episodes, all recorded at the end of 2021 and the beginning of 2022, which I intended to get done and out at the time, only to see them repeatedly fall by the wayside. Thanks to a suddenly free evening, I've put them all together for your listening pleasure. Hope you enjoy, despite their massive lateness. In the meantime, if you'd like to hear something which is regularly updated, check out my current podcast, the horror news show, The Carnage Report, with Julie Holland, via the Cinepunks Podcast Network, wherever you listen. We're on Twitter and Insta at Report Carnage as well. Now, here's the show. Hello, my name is Nick Spacek, and you're listening to From and Inspired by a podcast about soundtracks and the people who make them. On this episode, we talk with musician and composer John Coco about his debut album, Chasing the Dream, as well as his work composing for film trailers. As a boy growing up in Boston, John Coco immersed himself in the music of timeless bands like the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, the Who, and Pink Floyd. Tapping into the music of the 70s with an impressive vinyl record collection, he started writing original music and dove into performances in the late 80s Boston music scene. Invited by an A&M recording studio head engineer to record songs for A&M, Coco gave in to the eventual lure of Los Angeles and the larger opportunities it promised. An early lesson would come when A&M Records closed their doors while his band was still recording their debut record. After two years as a stable on the Hollywood live club scene, Coco seized the opportunity to try his hand at creating music for a film trailer. This pivot provided many years of work and included his compositions in the marketing campaigns for Oscar-nominated and award-winning films such as The Departed, Batman Begins, No Country for Old Men, Room, and others. Endlessly pursuing his own true north and identity, Coco relocated to Nashville in 2016 to trade the companionship of traffic and airplanes for a mini ranch with horses, donkeys, and chickens. This slower and more relaxed pace, exacerbated by the COVID lockdown, has has cultivated an even more intense maturation of Coco's signature style. There is a common element to his music that is relatable for listeners of major metropolitan areas as for those in rural surroundings, because their source is a man who finds the essential humanity in both. I spoke with John Coco via Zoom about his new album, Chasing the Dream, as well as his work composing for film trailers. Thank you so much, John, for taking time to talk to me today. Um, I'm really excited to discuss stuff just because it seems you've had such an interesting career. Um, I, I, I'm all, all not planned, by the way. <laughs> OK, see, like, that's what I, I find uh, fascinating is like your your career started in, in boston and then moved to la and um like how how did you end up uh going from like the boston club scene to los angeles like a full you know 
country trip. And not only country, but a completely different culture too. But we were, <laughs> yeah. you know, me and the band were thrown into, you know, but, um, uh, well, we, you know, growing up in Boston and starting to play, play music, um, in, in that city, um, you know, kind of long story short, we, we got, we got the attention of uh, the chief engineer at AM recording studios. Um, he loved our, our music. So, um, he would fly out to Boston and would jump into a recording studio and would do demos and then would fly out to Los Angeles at AM recording studios and, and do a couple of projects there. Well, that went on for, for a couple of years, you know, and we, we were kind of building our audience in the, in the new England, let's say, cause we used to do Boston, Worcester, Providence, New York city would, would do those, those things. Anyways, it, the time came where, um, David, that was the chief engineer. He said, you know, why don't you guys come on out here? We'll start recording a, a record and, um, I'll have, uh, A&R come in and, and we'll see what happens. And we said, sure, we'll do it. So we made the move out to Los Angeles and started uh, recording what would be our debut record. And things were going great for, <laughs> I don't know, six or eight months, you know, uh, we, we were, we were heavy at it and we got to meet all the, all the, all the, you know, the important players, let's say in, you know, Hollywood, you know, in the music business and the club scene and stuff like that, we're, you know, living that kind of rock and roll life, but not even being rock and rollish yet. We were just, <laughs> just getting started, you know? And, um, so that's what got, that's what really got us to Los Angeles. And, we were completely focused on that. And um, we were getting to the mix phase of these songs. And one day, one of the A&R guys came into the uh, mix room and he, he was like white and like a ghost. And we're like, what happened? What's going on? And he says, A&M Records just closed their doors. And we are like, whoa, what? I couldn't believe, you know, 1999, I think it was. and. You know, that labels had been around for 50 years plus or something like that at that point. And we could not believe it that they closed the door. So that that was the end of that. You know, the label was gone. I, I think a few uh, a few acts at that time um, went to Universal because Universal Seagram's was the one that bought out A&M and uh, all the rest of us. We had no there was no more chance. So we were pretty much out in the street at that point. And, uh, during, during that first year, we started playing a lot of the clubs in Hollywood, you know, the, 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 the whiskey, the Ross, Roxy, the Viper room, uh, the gig was on Melrose. I don't know if you've been in, uh, Hollywood in Los Angeles to these different clubs, but we, we started playing all of them. And, um, we befriended some editors, film editors, um, a lot of them in the trailer business, um, and directors and producers, and they used to come see our shows all the time. So we got to know these guys, uh, and, and girls, uh, personally would, would party with them on, on different occasions. And, um, one, t one night, uh, we were asked to play a private party for one of the top editors in, uh, Los uh, in Hollywood. And we did that party and we were up all night. Um, a few days later, 
myself and the guitar player in my band, Jamie Anderson, we got, a, we got a phone call from one of the editors asking if we'd like to submit a piece of music to a movie trailer he was working on. And we were like, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> and we, but, you know, inside we were like, what is this? I had no idea that this existed, you know, this, this niche, we had not a clue that this, this existed, this, this part of the music business. And so we said yes, and we said, you know, when do you need it? And he was like, tomorrow. And we're like, oh, <laughs> how are we going to pull this thing off? And we said, okay, we'll do it. And he goes, all right, I'm going to send a runner over uh, and, and give you the, the, the picture. It was, you know, back then, believe it or not, 1999, two, I think this was in 2000, 2001, uh, they had runners sending stuff back and forth. We didn't even use the internet that much back then. And that was, that was like 20, 21 years yeah. ago, maybe. Yeah. Right. I mean, I guess, you know, 21 years, I guess 20 years is a long time, but it doesn't feel that long to me when I, when I talk about this stuff, but anyways, um, we stayed up all night. We had to work on this, this piece. It was like an or orchestral piece of music that had some, some heavy drums in it, you know, kind of, kind of li lifting piece of music. And it was 56 seconds long. And we finished it. The guy came to pick it up in the morning. <laughs> Off it went. And they loved it. And, it. and it ended up in the movie trailer. And I can't remember which movie it was. I thought it was Sandlot 2. But um, that, was like, that was like in 2005. So there was another movie. It was, a, it was like a collegiate scene, you know, like some, some people walking through. A campus of a college anyways that 56 second piece of music they loved it it was in the trailer and we got six thousand dollars for that and we were like whoa <laughs> holy mac what what is this and so you know light bulb went off on the head you know AM records was was done we were just playing around hollywood do, doing the, the the club scene um, you know, we, we had all our, our, our masters for our record and no, no one was biting. So we, we, the very next day we bought a whole pro tools rig and set up a studio and let it, let it known that we'd love to do some more work. And then just the floodgates open. We, that for the, the, the first four years, uh, um, we did almost you know, most of the movies that were coming out of Hollywood, we got we got locked into a, a, a nice little little run there for for doing uh, all this music. Now, I would be totally remiss if I didn't ask what the name of that band that you oh. had, uh, a, a, what it was and like, what was the sound? So the band was called Swag, right? So if you got to think back in, 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 in early, early mid nineties, um, uh, a couple of friends from Massachusetts, we had a three piece band, um, playing in the strictly in the Boston, uh, club scene and, um, uh, another, another kid, I'm going to say kid, he's, he's a few years younger than me. Um, we, 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 we played at an open mic night one night and, this kid came up and said, I want to be in your band. And that was Jamie, my writing partner now. And I'm like, okay. And he joined the band. So we, we changed the name of the band to swag. And, um, 
the reason I picked swag was I used to work with about six or seven other guys in Boston and we were the, the, the load in crew to help set up the PA systems for this big venue right on the other side of the green monster on Lansdowne street in, in Fenway. And so we used to get swag from all the touring managers that would come through. <laughs> and so when I told those guys that, you know, I changed the band name and they're like, what'd you change? And, and, and they said, swag, I said swag. And they were like, what? That's a stupid name. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it stuck. So we left it as swag. And that was, that was, that was the band that, and we were, we were kind of, I had just come off the heels of just being a utility guy. You know, when I started out, I had a, a, a small three-piece band. It was really kind of um, police type, you know, genre of music, right? Kind of, uh, I don't know what you even call that. It's rock, but it's... And Regatta then, and de I, Blanc, I think is what they call yeah. it. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, that's right. There, that's it. Um, and then I jumped into this this band that was really ACDC, Aerosmith, really heavy rock. You know, the long hair, the leather, you know, the, the Les Pauls and the Pink Marshalls. Yep. And so swag kind of was a, a little bit of a blend of that, but I also, it also, uh, my influences from the British invasion because of my mom, you know, the, the Beatles, the Stones, the who, all that. So swag had this, this, uh, really heavy rock, uh, sound to it, you know, Stone Temple Pilots, you know, Aerosmith, uh, you know, that, that type of thing. So that, that was really what, you know, I'm a rock guy. I'm I'm here in Nashville. I'm, I can't I can't profess to be a country guy. I, I love the country music, but I'm a rock guy here, in in, in a sea of country. Well, what I'm just um, amazed by is like in 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 the press release I I got from your your publicist. It's like the marketing campaigns and like trailers you've worked on. It's like the departed Batman begins no right. country for old men room. Like it's this, I don't think I've ever really, I mean, I'm sort of familiar with like folks who have done ex almost exclusive trailer work as opposed to like stuff for films proper. But, right. um, for you and Jamie with your company, which is Lucky 13, yes? Well, uh, no, so, so the band Swag. So when we started this, this company, we, you know, we had to get a, give it a name. So we called it Swag Music Group. That was, that was the original composing, you know, Music Cue composing company, which, which was Jamie and I, you know, my, my guitar player in the band. So we formed that. And then about about eight years into that, we dissolved the partnership and we went on our own way. And that's when I developed Lucky 13 Music. So that was that was my own uh, brand, I guess, for lack of a better word. Jamie still went on and did some of his music, but he he moved into VO. Oh, OK. Yeah, but, uh, I'm, I'm just so fascinated by the idea of having to take, you know, an hour and a half to two and a half hour movie and make it like i've got friends who edit trailers um oh yeah 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 and, and so like that's difficult in and of itself but then to try and sure. do that sonically while also like like what are the challenges in that because like I, i'm assuming like you want to nod to like what the score or soundtrack sounds like while not 
you know, aping it. So you know what? The funny thing is, Nick, when you when you say that, right? When 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 we started all all this, like I said, like we didn't have no idea this niche existed. So in, in my mind, they they did that. They took you know elements of the score and, and incorporated it in, into the trailers. But that that's not the case at all. It, it's a it's a totally different stylized or 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 vibe of music. You know, because trailers are designed to get people into you know. The movie so the music is always it's upbeat it's you know bombastic it's it's got some some uniqueness to it you know usually the scores have a bit a little bit of a mood or drama to it so yeah the, the music that's in the trailers is is really mostly separated uh from what the trailers uh stuff is um the yeah so there is one example though i'll give you we did basic instinct two Right. And I'll never forget this because <laughs> um, that movie tanked. But <laughs> yes, they had the producers on, on this this campaign had the idea of actually taking the original score and enhancing it, let's say. Right. Big drums, you know, electric guitars, you know, kind of. And because they wanted to get away from the cookie cutter type stuff that the trailers were we're, we're, we're doing. And, um, so we, we did that for them and it went through the focus groups and all that and all the other, you know, the, 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 the produce, the other producers are on it and they hated it. So we went, we went back to <laughs> the old formula and created, you know, this, this big heavy rock, big drum cue for that particular uh, movie. But, it's it it is kind of interesting because I think there, there there are a lot of folks out there who have seen trailers and they're like, oh man, that music is amazing. And then you watch the film and you're like, I never <laughs> heard that. Right. And I mean, like the the more I've sort of delved into like looking at stuff like this is uh, there are folks out there like. I mean, there are so many of you and uh, it blows my mind. Well, it it kind of blows my mind too. When, when, when we started this in 2000, there wasn't a lot of people doing this. There was, there was like four or five other companies that we knew of. And, and one of them was a partnership like Jamie and I's. And there's a couple that were big, 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 bigger companies you know that that really could would would be able to do the orchestral stuff with the re, you know real live orchestra and stuff like that so there was and all of us would not be in direct competition for these trailers but there would be times where we, we would all be put up against each other because the trailer houses would would call all of us and ask us to submit some music and jamie and i were fortunate enough that we would we would win we'd get the grand slam you know a lot of the times there. So, but, you know, then you fast forward to like 2008 and then, you know, I, I remember talking to a bunch of musicians in Los Angeles and they're like, yeah, I'm going to do this music for this trailer. And I'm like, Oh, that's cool. And it was a niche of the business. Not everybody could pull it off. You know, there, there is, you can't just, you know, there, there's, there's an intangible about it to do it, but 
the industry had changed too, and they they wanted to get a lot of the stuff for nothing or cheap because it was a, a few entities that arose that said, oh yeah, you know, I'll give you these cues for free or hardly any money. So it kind of it kind of it's kind of spun things on its head a little bit, and then you know now you know that was ten years ago. Each year that went on, more and more musicians got involved in it. And so now there's just, it's crazy. The, the competition. And if I had to start that all over again, there's, there's probably no way, no way in that, that I would be able to, uh, you know, get, get the resume that I had, you know, starting when I did. You know, it's just way, way too much competition out there now. So you've been doing all of this, I mean, for, you know, almost 20 years, for over 20 years now. And, yeah. um, but now you finally have like an a proper album coming out, I and um, I got to do it. Uh, I mean, it, it. I'm sorry, it is out now. It came out at the end of January. Um, like, how was that? Like, getting to write, you know, songs again, and and, and like, it just it seems like it was a a lot of um, fun. Uh, like there's a, there's a lot of joy in this record. Um, oh, thanks, man. I, I, I had a lot of fun actually in the process of it. Um, it, it just, like, I just love the whole up, like seven singer songwriter, like aspect of it. Like it feels very warm and inviting. Oh, yeah. Um, I know like, which is, uh, and I say all of these things knowing full well that part of your inspiration was seeing an Elliot Smith video, uh, oh. like live performance, um, right. which is not, I think, what people traditionally think of when they think of warm and uplifting music. No, true, right? And <laughs> um, most of his stuff, there's there's one of his records, though, Figure Eight, that is mm -hmm. really, you know, electric. You know the record, right? I'm talking about oh, yeah. Figure yep. Eight. I, I just absolutely love that record. I love Eric Smith. And I, and I, you know, that video that I watched that one day, do you know who John Bryan, he used to do a show there at Largo. Anyways, that, that was such a great night. And, and we were lucky, fortunate enough to get in to see some of those performances. Cause that was like, you know, everybody in the whole world wanted <laughs> to go see John Bryan on a Friday night. And I'm pretty sure that, that I did see that show one of those times, but I, I can't confirm it. There's a lot of those, those, those nights in Hollywood are a little bit of a blur, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, Elliot, Elliot Smith, he, you know, David Bowie for me always got the creative juices flowing. Every time I would listen to David Bowie, it would get it. And so this was surprising to me to, you know, watch this Elliot, Elliot Smith performance with John Bryan as a guest. And it did the same thing to me. And I was like, Whoa, where did this come from? I, I love it. And, and, um, it just, it came really quickly, right? Sometimes you, you write something and it, you, you, you sit with it for a, a little while before, you know, you can, you can flush it out completely. But this, this record really, these eight songs, there's 10 of them really, but um, these eight really came fairly quick, fairly quickly f for me, which I, mean, I was happy. I was kind of giddy sitting here and in the living room. I'd wake up early in the morning, get my cup of coffee. I'd sit out in the living room in the big picture window and just look out at the, the countryside. You know, we got uh, uh, this pasture of cattle across the street. So I just watched them mulling around and uh, do my brainstorming for these songs, you know, do the kind of little demos in my head uh, for that. But 
um, yeah, so th that, you know, past records way before I, I, I you know, I kind of stopped doing the artist thing when we got really knee deep in, in, into the, the trailer music and, and the music cues for, uh, for, for TV stuff too. And so my whole writing process back then was a little bit different kind of kind of similar but I, you know i was already in a band at that point so me and the drummer would just hash out a bunch of stuff this one was just me solely you know sitting with myself trying <laughs> trying to you know uh, 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 flush out some ideas i had and it's really it's really you know it happened in the covid times when we you know the first you know the the first year of the shutdown that that we had and and so there's kind of a yearning of of hitting the road to, about this you know, song and it's, I mean, this record, you know, and um, anyways, yeah, it, it was really, really good experience uh, uh, writing and, and also getting into the recording process for this record as well. Who is uh, like, I mean, you, obviously it's not just you on this record. Like um, right. how did you um, find these folks that um, perform these songs with you? So, um, Myself and uh, Jamie Anderson, that was my old partner in uh, the, the uh, Swag Music Group, um, my composing partner. He was in the band Swag with me way back when. Him and I have been uh, true friends for many, 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 many years. So he he jumped in and and uh, helped with guitars and bass and you know different instruments and and vocals and. Kind of, uh, he helped me flush out uh, "Time Won't Heal" the bridge in that song. Um, so he he was pretty much, you know, he I, I uh, he's got producer credits as well uh, for this this record. And then I uh, I had the good fortune here in Nashville when when I moved here six years ago, um, I met a guitar player uh, named Kenny Greenberg, and Kenny's like a session guy here in Nashville, but and he's 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 on. He does so many demos for all the big, the big, the big uh, artists here, and um, he's been on tons of records. Um, and he he's for the last ten or fifteen years, he's been Kenny Chesney's guitar player. He's he's mm. done tours with him. Anyways, um, one afternoon, I asked him. I said, "Hey, hey," because we ran into it, into each other at a party, and I said. Um, a couple of days later, I said, I'd like to, you know, get this kind of rock 70s cover thing going here in in, in Nashville. And uh, do you know any guitar players that would like to jump in? Because I knew he was so busy. And he goes, um, hey, I think I'd like to do that. <laughs> so he jumped in and we, you know, three weeks later, we had a band together. So we we started doing like this, this once every four months, 70s rock cover thing here in Nashville at, at a couple of different places. So from that, I met, um, and Kenny Greenberg did some guitars here on this record as well. So from, from that unit, I met the drummer, Sean Fichter, who um, is another session guy here in, in Nashville. And he, uh, his, his main gig is with Tim McGraw. He's uh, Tim McGraw's drummer. So him and I hit it off just, just wonderfully, um, super, super wonderful guy awesome drummer i mean and and his studio that he has uh, just a couple a uh, couple towns from me um it, it sounds so phenomenal in there so i was very fortunate that he said yes he'd like to do the record and so he's he's drumming on the record 
And I have another buddy of mine uh, from Los Angeles, uh, Stefano Capobianco, who's an artist in his own right, songwriter. And um, I've known him since the early days of Hollywood. Uh, we used to hang out at an open mic night uh, called um, at Highland Grounds. And it was on a Wednesday or night or a Tuesday night, I believe. Anyways, it was a great community of musicians that used to hang out together and support each other on their shows. Stefano was one of one of those guys there. And we've been we've been best friends ever since. And so he jumped in and did some guitars and backing vocals. And um, I think that's it. That's about the four of us. Uh, uh, you know, five of us were involved in this record. And uh, we jumped it. We 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 jumped the sessions back and forth from Nashville to Los Angeles. And we did the mixing here and the mastering here. And voila, the, the record was was done. So I I have to say, like, I just love that idea that it's uh, some guys who got together to um play rock covers and like <laughs> just like you're all you know like high level professional musicians and i just love the idea of like 70s rock covers but that also turns into like this new album that you've put out like that just sounds right. it sounds so wholesome and like such like a real joyous thing to come out post pandemic yeah right oh. oh my god what a rough couple of years we've had all of us huh oh my goodness very much so but i mean um yeah the album's out uh and like i i, I really enjoy it and um Thank you. thanks so much so like i mean the question i always end with is like i know that musicians uh even though you know you've got this new project that's out like what you're working on is always the thing that you're most excited about so like what what sort of uh projects are are you currently working on i guess that you can talk about so um the songs that did not make it on this record um um i'm kind of working on those right now so i think that probably um summer of 2022 i'll have another record probably ready ready to go or, or it, it, in the recording phases anyways and um i have some um i have some coals in the fire for placements for some of these songs uh you know everything's so subjective you know for film and tv stuff so we'll we'll see what happens there so i'm i'm, I'm constantly kind of advocating for that stuff as well but you never know i mean you know <laughs> <laughs> something that you think it would would be, would be great you know it, it does you know nah we don't like that <laughs> we'll pick something else you know one of the one of the songs just quickly one of the songs on the record living in la um i really love it because it's really kind of the essence of my experience in, in los angeles living there um you know time on heel and chasing a dream were kind of um uh obvious a little bit you know of the stronger cuts on the record but every, every time i handed off the record to someone pre-release uh here in nashville or in los angeles in the industry they'd always come back and go i love those songs but living in la i really love living in la so you never know right i don't you know you never know what what's gonna how people are gonna react to it anyways but i'm loving it it's i'm very blessed in being able to do all this. And, and I feel very grateful to have the friendships that I do. And, um, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna keep moving, just keep going. 
Well, John, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk to me. This has been uh, a lot of fun uh, and very uh, interesting, and I just had a blast. Uh, I hope you have a good rest of your day. Um, And again, thank you so much. Thanks, Nick. It's so good to meet you, too. Hope to uh, talk to you soon. The time has come for an all-new X-Men. The all-new X-Men 1.5 Collector's Edition DVD. Hold on to something. With five hours of never-before-seen extras. And your first chance to get an exclusive look at X2. only one way to prepare for the future. The war has begun. Own the X-Men 1.5 Collector's Edition DVD. Thanks to John Coco for speaking with me. You can find the composer's work at his website, which is johncoco.com, and on Instagram at johncocomusic. You can find links to purchase all the music you heard on the show in the show notes for this episode, which are at fromaninspiredby.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at From Inspired Pod, and can be found on Instagram at From an Inspired By. You can subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Click those follow and subscribe buttons, please. Also, please hit up the website and click on the Aid and Assistance button to help pay for web hosting and long distance fees. And remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. As far as I know, this is the last episode for a while. If you have any suggestions for guests or anything like that, reach out via socials and we'll see if we'll come back. Till then, thanks for listening.